Good morning, Rock of Grace. Are we ready to worship together? I know that uh, the word for me for this last year was remnant, and I didn't know coming into the year what that would mean. But I told the worship team, it reminds me of Gideon's army. The Lord is preparing us for something huge. So would you stand with us? And as people are coming in, let's, uh, let's worship the king. Amen. Hallelujah, hallelujah. 
a moment Oh Holy Spirit Come Let's just take a moment Just here at Rock of Grace And just declare this over 2021 Let's set a precedent And the first time In this season, in this year That we have gathered and are gathering in this house This is our anthem You are the king Oh Holy Spirit Come Sing it over your home Oh Holy Spirit Come Sing it over your finances Oh Holy Spirit Come Sing it over your marriage Oh Holy Spirit Come Sing it over this nation of the Lord. He is here. He is here. He is here. Paving the highways and making the way to show His glory. Holy Spirit, come. overwhelming keep playing that that's overwhelming like let's play the next song next song next song and God's saying no you just wait here for a moment church lift up holy hands start operating in your gifting and worship if you don't know what that means just start worshiping the Lord tell him how he's holy and worthy because the people of God are assembled in this house to praise his name oh holy 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 holy
and your glory, oh. Worthy is the Lamb. I search the world. But it couldn't fill me A man's empty praise And treasures that fade Are never enough Then you came along And put me back together And every desire now satisfied hearing your love oh there's nothing better than you there's nothing better than you lord there's nothing nothing is better than you sing that again there's nothing better than you. There's nothing better than you, Lord. There's nothing. Nothing is better than you. And I'm not afraid to show seen them all and you still call me friend cause the God of the mountain is the God of the valley and there's not a place in mercy and grace find me Nothing better than you. There's nothing better.
Is there anybody in this place today that's in need of a healing, like a Holy Spirit anointed healing? Would you just lift up your hand? There's a couple. I have a feeling it's more. We need to unashamedly come into the presence of God with this. If anybody needs a healing, I'm raising my hand. And anybody in here need a healing in any way from the Holy Spirit? Dry bones come into life. We're believing as a church right now that he's the healer. Amen. And sometimes it's during a whisper where nothing happens, but sometimes it's during a shout. <laughs> and we're going to shout this morning. And I might lose my voice worshiping and declaring this, but I don't care because you know what? He's worthy of all of it. He's worthy of our everything. And it might be, you just watch. I dare you, church, to give your all in worship this morning. And then you watch it's in the rest when you're, when you're like resting at home and all of a sudden you're like, I'm healed. I'm healed. He can do it, church. Saturday was silent. Surely it was through. Since when as impossible ever stopped you. Friday's disappointment is Sunday's empty tomb. Since when has impossible ever stopped you? This is the sound of dry bones rattling. This is the praise make a dead man walk again. In the grave, I'm coming out. I'm gonna live, gonna live again. This is the sound of dry bones rattling. The Pentecostal fire stirring something new. You're not gonna run out of miracles anytime soon. Resurrection power runs in my veins too.
Holy Spirit's doing something right now. And the enemy would do everything he can to try to annoy, to try to distract. I got a B on my music stand right now. And you know what? I'm worshiping the Lord. What distraction has the enemy been trying to get you with? That's just an annoyance that is not worth your time because the King of Kings is in the room. Come on. My God is able to save and deliver and heal and restore anything that he wants to. Just as the man who was thrown on the bones of Elisha, if there's anything that he
not that brave to change my music with that B right there. <laughs> God is good, isn't he, church? Now, I, this is... <laughs> wow. Woo! He's got my back. <laughs> I, I did not expect that aggression. That was awesome. Um, let me get my music. Look. We could try to make things you know, flow perfect. We could try to do everything we can and we do try to do that our best, but at the end of the day, we're a family. And sometimes things happen. And you know the cool thing about this pause is that I can't start this song. If you guys just want to start the beginning of Living Hope, Pastor Jordan, but there's somebody in this room over here and it's, it's a family here and I, uh, Martha, I want to tell you We're doing this song because we were visiting this week and you said this is your favorite song. And I want to tell you that I know since you've moved, you've been traveling, and I'm saying this intentionally in front of the whole church. Since you've moved, you've been traveling far and wide for that comfort and peace of family and to know what it means and to just worship with people driving hours and hours and hours and hours. And I want to let you know today, and God wants to let you know today that he hears the every desire of your heart, every desire. And this is a song. I don't know. I just don't know how to explain in the spirit because you said this is your favorite song. I felt led to do this song this week and God wants to just bless you and outpour blessing on you. And so much of your life has been, you felt like you've had to make up and work for things. And, and, and you've come to this realization in the last year of just this unbelievable grace and mercy and peace. And you've come here today and God wants to remind you that I am, he is watching you. He has got your back. He has a huge plan and a purpose for you. He hears your every cry. He knows the desires of your heart and he just wants to bless you and say, you are my beautiful daughter who I died for and I love and you're a good mom and you're a good wife and you just... Be blessed today in the name of Jesus. How great the chasm that lay between us. How high the mountain I could not climb. In desperation, I turned to heaven and spoke your name into the night. Then through the darkness, your loving kindness tore through the shadows of my soul. The work is finished. The end is written, Jesus Christ, my living Who could imagine so 
soldiers fall before the mighty King, and all creation sings. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord, seated on the throne. Oh, hallelujah, oh, I worship singing that well let's worship him holy 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 is the lord seated on the throne hallelujah i surrender all to you alone just singing right now about what's happening in heaven. On my drive here this morning, I was just praying in the spirit and worshiping and just started to, to read back scripture to God and just quote back um, who is worthy, you know, that there was none found worthy in heaven. But then John in the revelation, he looked and he saw the lamb. And then there was like this good news because at first no one was worthy to open the scroll, but then he saw Jesus then he saw Jesus. There is one who's worthy to open the scroll and to, and to tell you about his goodness and to tell you that your name is written in his book of life. Can you sing some more in the spirit, Will? Just sing like you were, just that spontaneous song. Jesus, we worship you. There are angels, there are creatures around your throne. Father, whether it's our first time in a church in decades or whether we've been following you for decades, God, we need an experience with you. You are Jesus, the Lamb of God, slain since the foundation of the world. But God, you are seated at the right hand of the Father, given all authority, all power, all dominion to your name and your name alone will be all glory, all power forever and ever. I love what your word says in Romans 5, God, that to you and through you, and from you are all things, all things to you and from you are all things. God, nothing exists without you, God. You created into being every person that breathes. You breathe life into them. God, you are our very life. We have nothing. We can't exist without you, Jesus. You create air itself the very ground we stand on, the air we breathe on, a gift from you, a creation of you. So we worship you. Come on, let's just take another minute. I don't think the Holy Spirit wants us to be done yet. Let's just worship him. Holy, holy, holy is your name, Jesus. There is no one like you, God. We are not here, God, to just hear from a person. We're here to experience you and to worship you. This is your sanctuary. This is your house, God. We're, we're the guests. This is your house. And we worship you. And we sit at your feet and we tell you, you are holy. You are beautiful. You're the most beautiful thing we've ever seen, Jesus. Jesus, we worship you. Come on, lift it up, Ben. Let's just keep playing that. Let's lift up the instruments. Let's do what David said. Play the cymbals. Play the instruments. Let the singers, let the Levites lift their voices. Jesus, we worship you. Come on, lift up your praises. 
there is no one you know I know I shared this before but one time I was studying um, and uh, I saw when it said the train of his robe uh, filled the temple and I believe it was a revelation that Isaiah had and so I was clicking around and reading in this Bible software and and I discovered that in that culture the longer the train the more royal the more authority that guy had. And so when Isaiah gets this picture of Jesus and the train, come on, it never ends. It just fills the temple. So I want you to close your eyes and picture that. His train, he's a king, and we're going to talk about him being king actually in our sermon. He comes in, just imagine he walks into this sanctuary. Just imagine. Let the Holy Spirit use your imagination. That's why you have that imagination. The Holy Spirit gave it to you. Imagine his robe is not 10 feet, it's not 20 feet, it's not 20 yards, it's not 100 yards. It fills the temple. You can't look around and not see the robe. You can't look around and not see his glory because it goes on and on and on and on. Everybody just, just say on and on. On and on. It never ends. Amen? Turn to somebody next to you and say, his glory goes on and on. Oh, Wow. I don't even know if I want to preach today, but I'm really excited to preach, but I'm really excited to be in this moment, but maybe we'll go into some worship some more later. Why don't you uh, say hi to someone and uh, you may be seated. How's everybody doing? Well, thank you. This section, all of you had a horrible Christmas, apparently. Everybody to my left, you're just like, I'm glad my uncle's gone. All right, let's try that again. How's everybody doing? Okay, good. That was weird. It was only like them, almost like those guys are doing good. Um, well, we're really excited that you guys are with us uh, today. Uh, pastor Dave, our new executive pastor, is preaching in Cortland today. And so we're just excited about all that God is doing. Uh, we've got a couple announcements for you. Uh, first of all, uh, there is a Connect card in the back of your seat. So look in that seat. We went back to the way we used to do it, where it's in the front of your seat there. And you can just grab that card. In fact, go ahead and grab it now. And that way you can write a prayer request there. Um, if for any reason you did not get an email or a text from us in the last month about, like, say, Christmas uh, Eve services or uh, family communion, we did that online. If you missed any of those messages, that means we have one digit wrong in your cell number or one letter wrong in your email. So please write that down, and uh, Kathy will get you squared away and subscribed uh, to those messages. Uh, just a couple upcoming things. Uh, Tuesday is a worship night. Really excited about this. I don't know if you guys remember, um, we did, uh, we were in a good habit of every, um, what was it, every two months, I think, we did a worship night. We're doing that same thing, but we're moving them to Tuesdays, the first Tuesday of every other month. So everybody say this with me. First Tuesday, every other month is going to be a worship night. So we're going to start here in Kinsman. We may we may move some to Cortland, but for right now, we're going to go ahead and plan on Kinsman campus right here 
uh, first Tuesday every other month. So last year we recorded a live album. We're going to actually try to do this every year. We want to be obedient to the, to the call and the assignments on our lives, not just personally, but as a church. And we had a few people come through this house, um, Andre, uh, Jared Ruddy, and a few others who said worship is going to come out of this house and touch the nations. How many believe that, right? So um, this is a live worship album that is out there um, that is uh, called Russian, so you can find that anywhere uh, that you uh, play music. And then also, um, prayer, uh, we are moving to Tuesday mornings. So it's not going to be Monday mornings. It's going to be Tuesday mornings at 7.30. So if you want to join Mick Galanik, I'll be able uh, to make it most Tuesdays, uh, 7.30 a.m. Also, uh, I think one more announcement is the Path of Discipleship is coming up January 17th. Now, the last time we had the Path of Discipleship, it was packed. And it was awesome. It was so cool for us to get to know each other, uh, to hear some of your stories, and for you to learn more about the church and what we're all about. So the next one is January 17th. Now, why is the path important? Uh, It's important for a lot of reasons. I'll just give you two. Is we want to know that you believe what we believe if you wanted to step into ministry, if you wanted to step into any sort of ministry. We want to know that, that you believe what, and you know what we care about, what we deeply care about, especially if you wanted to work in nursery. Uh, that's the first step before like a background check and all that stuff. So we want to keep your kids safe. How many of you guys have kids or grandkids and you want your kids safe? Come on, can I get an amen? So we have a process for that. Um, by the way, little plug, we need you in the nursery. Um, if you have not served in the nursery and you are a parent, we would love for you to get on that rotation. Michelle will get you squared away. Just mark your connect card. Also, one more serve opportunity is our sound booth. We need one or two more people to help with screens. So everybody look to the booth and say hi back there to Tim, Ruth, Ryan, and Will, the bald guy. Why don't you, um, Ryan, (laughs) Ryan, who is not the bald guy, Ryan, can you wave at him real quick? Ryan is the booth director. And so if you could just give him, uh, let him know maybe after service, hey, I'm interested and uh, helping out with screens will train you. It's real easy. Uh, just kind of putting up the graphics as they go through the sermon. Uh, one more thing. Jeremiah C. got a big announcement. Is our youth director. Can you guys give him a big? Yes. Yeah, so somebody said I knew it. I've known Jeremiah forever. Uh, since guy's really excited. I've known Jeremiah forever since he was uh, just a wee lad and grew up in my youth ministry, um, taught him guitar, and then he went on the road with me for about 12 years. And so longtime friend and son of this house. And so he's going to be our youth director. So really excited about that. If you see him, make sure you congratulate him, give him a big high five, hug, all that stuff. All right, enough announcements. Let's get to, uh, let's get to offering and the sermon. Uh, There's a couple ways to give. You can give online. You can give in the updated Rock of Grace app on your app, uh, the mobile store, mobile store, app store, <laughs> and, uh, or you can text to give. Um, yeah, and you can give on your way out there. Tim, can you wave at him right there by that, that box right there? It's a little more COVID-friendly way to give on your way out today. So let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we love you. We thank you so much that we get to worship you. God, that we get to experience your presence together. Lord, there's nothing like it. God, I just thank you for the way that even this morning you you just filled my car with your presence and that you filled this house with your presence, that anywhere we gather in your name, you meet us. We can't explain it. We can't fully define it, but Lord, we're thankful for it. We're just humbled by that, God, that you 
almighty God would engage us, would encounter us. We love you. And everybody said, amen. Amen. What if we truly understood stewardship? This idea that everything we have is not ours, but God's. How would that change our perspective? How much more careful would we be with what we've been given? How much more would we pray asking God, the owner, what he would like us to do in each and every situation? The truth is one day we will all give an account to the master, a report on what we did with what we were given. Jesus made that clear. The question is, will he turn to you and say, well done, good and faithful servant, enter into my joy. So we're going on this journey the next four weeks about stewardship. And it's this important um, thing that has always been, I don't know why important to me. I remember in Bible college, I remember reading one day and um, just doing my devotions. And I read these parables about the vineyard. And I remember God just really meeting me. Have you guys ever had times when you're doing your devotion and it's just extra special that day? Anybody know what I'm talking about? That was one of those days. And I remember writing right there in my Bible, make me the good steward. I like, Lord, Lord, this is who I want to be. And so um, I'm just excited to share with you guys. uh, Basically, today is all about, it's an all of life approach, okay, to stewarding grace. So we're going to talk about the beauty of grace all day today. And then the next few weeks, we're going to talk about stewarding seasons and assignments, stewarding finances. And then the talents and the gifts, the unique things that you're given to do um, that I'm not given to do. And they're all very unique. And I love this topic. So we're going to have a lot of fun. Before we begin the sermon, though, I want to share with you really where this came from in terms of doing this series. I was at my prayer retreat. Uh, there's this ministry uh, called Stony Glen. Have you guys ever been to Stony Glen? A lot of the men's, re- the men's retreats have been there many times over the years. Um, they are so just generous and kind. They let pastors go there and, and uh, Sabbath and pray. And um, so I was there, uh, I go there every year. And I'm standing in front of the fireplace like I do every year, just asking God, give me one word for the year. One word for the year. And I heard them loud and clear. And this is a fun word. Uh, every year's been different. But this year, I heard them loud and clear. He said, favor. He said, favor. Everybody just say that word, favor. Favor. And then I heard him say, that's the word for the church. And then I started to kind of have a conversation. I'm like, no, God, that's not what I asked you. I said, what's my word for the year? You know, because I always ask God, what's my, what's my word? And he said, no, your word is the same word for the church. Favor. It's one, one word. Uh, he said, I'm going to pour out so much favor, you won't be able to explain it. Who's ready for that? So then, this is crazy. So I'm closing my eyes. And again, I want to encourage you, when you pray, really let God anoint your imagination. That's why God gives you that. Satan wants to play with that, right? But God wants to anoint your imagination. And so I'm, I'm standing there, and suddenly I see, I see this person in a field, but he's like a, he's like a king. I didn't perceive him as a king, but I just perceived him as like this wealthy diplomat or something. And he had these, uh, a big white robe and uh, rings on his fingers, but he was getting his hands dirty and he was in the field. Okay. Can you picture that? So he's in this, he's in this field and he's kneeling down and he's putting a brick down and he's moving dirt. And I'm like, Lord, what are you trying to say? Like I had no clue. And so 
then I, I ask God what I ask him every year for 16 years that I've gone to that same cabin. I said, God, what's my verse for the year? What's the verse? So he led me to Nehemiah 6. Now, if you were here two months ago, we just preached a sermon series two or three months ago on Nehemiah. And right there in Nehemiah, it says the wall was built in 52 days in the time of Elul. And for some reason, that word Elul jumped off the page. You guys ever have that when you're reading the Bible? Like one word, right? So I clicked Elul. And it says, the time when the people of Israel celebrate the king is in the field. And I was like, that's what I just saw. And so then I'm sitting there, and because I'm alone, I can't tell anybody. I'm just like, you know, so that's kind of awkward. But me and Jesus were celebrating this crazy revelation that I had just pictured a king working in a field. And so I started reading this and the Jewish people celebrate this time called Elul. Now it's usually in the fall, but anyway, they celebrate these weeks where uh, the king, and this came all from a a parable that one of uh, their ministers had given uh, decades ago, but it's been passed down throughout the generations that this is the time when the king is not in the palace, but the king is in the field. And because the king is working alongside you in the field, there is favor. And then I'm like, God, just you just told me the word was favor. And then I'm reading the king is in the field and there is favor. And I'm just like about to pee my pants right there in that cabin. So anyway, I did not pee my pants. I'll inform you, but I am just really excited that I'm telling you, we are going to experience 52 days of miracles. I don't know what they're going to be. I have no idea. In fact, I already heard one uh, just yesterday. I'll share that with you in about 10 minutes. Uh, But I'm telling you, there will be miracles in the next 52 days. Who's with me? Who wants to believe God for that? All right? So here's the thing. I won't know about it unless you tell me. Right? I won't know about it. I mean, maybe the Lord will tell me, but it's, it's much more likely I will know if you would send me a miracle to happen. And I want you to hear me real clear. The king is in the field right? The field represents our workplace. So the more I prayed, the more I studied, I really, I really want you to hear me. I know we're not starting the sermon yet. This is just, this is just a, a thing for the year, for the next couple of months, I'm telling you. God is saying, hey, a rock of grace, when you are at work, when you're at work, Melanie, Ray, when you're at work, you watch, God will do miracles in your nine to five. Now, some of you might think, well, you know, I experience God on Sundays. Sunday is my God time. No, no, no. Jesus is at the center of your life. Come on. And at work, you will experience miracles. If you'll just stop, you'll ask God to engage that moment, right? God, what do you want to say right now? What do you want to do right now? Right there in the meeting, right? Right there with the client, right there with your boss. Pray, and I'm telling you, you're going to see miracles. Amen? All right, now we can get to the sermon. That was just the fun stuff, introduction here. So why even be a good steward, right? I thought about that before I just tell you, why be a good steward? Now, I thought, it's, I want you to be careful because as we enter a sermon like this, you might accidentally take on a, a mindset of religion. Religion says perform. Religion says try harder. Religion is the mindset of the older brother of the prodigal son who says, I've been working all my life. I deserve, right? So religion is when you try to work for what the father has already freely given you. So this is not about religion. Everybody says, not religion. All right? And uh, it's not about that. We should aim to be a good steward simply because that's what Jesus deserves. 
simply because that's what Jesus deserves. Jesus gave up wealth to become poor. He gave up glory to be mocked, and he gave up status to become the least of us and die a criminal's death, all to save you and me. So when we talk about stewardship, it's a response to the grace we've been given. Amen? All right. So I want to begin by telling you what I'm going to tell you because I want to apply what I try to do often. Dr. Martin, uh, one of my homiletics teacher in Bible college, his uh, suits were as bright as his mind. Let me tell you, he had uh, purple suits, yellow suits, orange suits, uh, but he was, he was brilliant. And he always told us students, tell them what you're going to tell them, tell them, and then tell them what you told them. All right. So here we go. I'm going to tell you what I'm going to tell you. You ready? The good steward is committed. Everybody say this with me. The good steward is committed. The good steward is motivated. The good steward is rewarded. So if you're taking notes, in fact, if you're using the the app, uh, it's right there on the notes on the home screen. The good steward is committed to being faithful more than being successful. The good steward is motivated by gratitude to the master. The good steward is rewarded and enters into joy. I'm going to say that again. The good steward is committed to being faithful more than being successful. The good steward is motivated by gratitude to Jesus, the master. And the good steward is rewarded and enters into his master's joy. So again, we're going to talk about areas that we steward, things that we have been given by God to steward over the next uh, three weeks. But today, we're talking about all of life perspective, stewarding grace, right? Right? So what is grace? Turning your Bibles to Matthew 21, 43. We're going to look at a few parables this month. And the first one speaks clearly about what the gospel is. We find a rather brutally honest parable in the vineyard in Matthew 21. In it, Jesus tells this story of an owner who gives an assignment to managers to manage his vineyard. At harvest time, he sent some service to, to go collect what they have done in the vineyard. And Jesus is clearly speaking about the son when he says, I sent my servants and they beat him up and killed him. I sent more servants and they beat him up and killed him. And then the owner said, I will send my son. Surely they will cherish my son but they beat him up and said, let's steal the inheritance. Again, religion is when you try to steal or earn what the father has already given you. Right? But the father, turn to your neighbor and say the father. Oh, come on, turn to your second choice of a neighbor and say the father. The father has already freely given you grace. I was talking with a young man over breakfast yesterday and I was trying to make it so clear and I said, listen, You and I are that younger brother. You are that younger brother that ran away and God with open arms says, come on, not only can you come home, but I'm throwing you a party. And I don't deserve it and you don't deserve it, right? So Jesus sends his servants, he sends prophets to warn the people of Israel, to tell them to repent. And what did they do? They stoned him, they beat him up, they imprisoned him. So then God sends his son. Jesus is the son who comes to make all things right and to give grace to everyone. So it's interesting that Jesus makes it clear in this upcoming parable, in the one I just summarized, that we are to do something with the grace we've been given. We are to do something with the grace we've been given. Now I do want to be clear 
Grace is unmerited forgiveness and favor, and it's totally free. You cannot earn the goodness of God. You can't earn the grace of God. It is totally, completely free, right? Totally free. Um, in fact, you may have seen me, I was reading on, from Hebrews this last week uh, and, and posted that to, to Facebook from a sermon from a year or two, or this early in the year, about Hebrews, just reading through Hebrews 3 and 4 and 5, that Jesus paid one time for all people. Everybody say once for all. So that grace is free for you. Now, you may be listening online, and you may be in here today and say, well, Pastor Jordan, you don't understand. These, there's a lot of good church people around me, but I have committed crimes. I've heard people tell me that over the years. I've heard people say, well, I think some of your message applied to me, but you don't know what I've done. God knows what you've done. And what I'm saying does apply to you. Grace and the goodness of God is there for you. Just as much as that church person to the right. How many know you were all just a broken people anyway? So when you look around and you think there's just good church people that have it all together, turn to your neighbor and say, I'm just as messed up as you. Go ahead, tell them. And by the way, I know you are. I've seen some of you guys over the holidays. I'll leave that alone. Some of you get your act together until New Year's Eve, right? And Uncle Rico hasn't gone home yet. Okay, that's all right. Uncle Rico, where did that come from? Youth pastor days? I don't know. Napoleon Dynamite, that's what it was. All right, back to my sermon. Here we go. Wow. Grace is unmerited favor. It's the goodness of God given to you, a sinful man, taking away the punishment. And to clarify, mercy, right? We said this just a month or two ago. Mercy is not getting the punishment you deserve. But grace is getting the blessings that you don't deserve. How many of you are saved because of the goodness of God's grace? Right? And what is faith? Faith is just believing in it. Faith is just receiving it. I don't know what God's going to say to you, young man, but God's going to say something to you right here in the front row. I don't know what it's going to be, but it's going to be awesome. You keep standing out in my mind, and it's going to be awesome. All right, so we'll come back to you. We'll commercial break. All right. Matthew 20. Go ahead and turn to your Bibles now. And I want to get to this parable that is the heart of our message today. Matthew 20, verse 1. We're going to look at a few parables that Jesus gave regarding stewarding and managers. If, you, if I use the word stewardship, just, re, just you can replace that um, with the word management, all right? Because it's not ours. That Anything we have is not ours. That's the concept we really got to get in our hearts today. So it speaks of grace. And again, this, this parable is not about money. It's not about talents. It's not about ability. It's about grace. Everybody say grace. Okay, so I don't want you to mix that up with the other parables we're going to read. So Matthew 20, verse 1, if you got it, say got it. If you're cheating on the screen, say got it. All right. The kingdom of heaven is like a master of a house who went out early in the morning to hire laborers for his vineyard. After agreeing with the laborers for a denarius for a day, he sent them into his vineyard. And going out about the third hour, he saw more, more people. Uh, he saw others standing idle in the marketplace. And he said to them, you can go into the vineyard too, and whatever is right, I will give you. So they went, going about 
are going out again, the sixth hour and the ninth hour, he did the same. So he hired people throughout the day. Can you all picture it? said, hey, you know what? I see uh, you're bored today. I've got a vineyard and I got, you know, these grapes need picked. It's harvest time. Come work. All right, so 11th hour, he went out and found some standing. And he said to them, why are you standing here idle today? They said, because no one has hired us. He said, well, you can go in the vineyard too at the 11th hour. So imagine, if you could imagine like a work day, 9 to 5. Now this is 4 p.m. Imagine that. It's the last hour, okay? And... Um, When evening came, the owner of the vineyard called to his foreman and said, call the laborers together and pay them their wages, beginning with the last up to the first. Now, when those hired at the 11th hour came, each of them received payment. Now, when those hired first came, they thought they would receive more, but each of them also received a denarius, the same payment. On receiving it, they complained. They grumbled at the master of the house, saying, these last, these workers only worked one hour. They've been here from 4 to 5 p.m., right? But you have made them equal to us who have borne the burden of the day and the scorching heat. But he replied to them, friend, I am doing you no wrong. Did you not agree with me for a denarius? Take what belongs to you and go. I choose to give to this last worker as I give to you. Am I not allowed to do what I choose uh, with what belongs with, to me? Or do you begrudge my generosity? So the last will be first and the first will be last. Now Jesus gives this parable and Jesus is the master. He gives the same amount of payment, the same gift, if you will, to each person, right? Now we have to just really think about this. If I worked at Millwood, let's say five days a week, nine to five, let's pretend Ray also worked at, thanks for being my illustration again, my Vanna White and my illustration today. And, you know, let's say I worked 40 hours and let's say Ray got hired yesterday and the dude slept in in his car at the Circle K sucking down a Pepsi for three hours, strolls in at four o'clock, clocks in, right, does a couple things and then comes up and he gets his, his check and, you know, it's like not in an envelope. And I look over, I'm like, what's the deal? What's the deal, boss? You're giving him the same payment. How many of you, be honest, how many of you would be like, that's not fair? Do you know why? Grace isn't fair. It's extravagant. God gives you the same amount of grace that he gives to the criminal, that he gives to the murderer, that he gives to the thief, that he gives to the drunkard. He gives you that same amount of grace, no matter what you've done, that he gives to uh, the person who's been in church their whole life, the person who you think has their act together. Come on, grace isn't fair. It's extravagant. Can everybody say that? Oh my gosh, I'm getting attacked. Wow, did you see that? Some of y'all never seen the Matrix. You just got a glimpse. Oh, there he is. Just put him out of his misery right there. See, that was like David. You got to knock him out and then kill him, you know. You got to knock him out and then cut off the head. You know how David held the head and carried it back? I should go, like, pick up his wing and be like, ah. No, I won't do that. Okay. (laughs) That was a little much. (laughs) I'd cross the line a little bit. Okay. Did anybody else see that, B? Okay, I just want to make sure I look crazy. <laughs> have you guys ever seen somebody swatting out a beer or walking into a spider web and they look like they're having a seizure? 
Oh my gosh, that happened the other day. Seriously. I looked over, I'm like, Bob, your neighbor, <laughs> something's wrong. <laughs> like, well, maybe there's bees. Okay, anyway. All right. Imagine a courtroom. I was trying, I was like, Lord, how can I make this clear to you and me? How can I make this clear that you are the prisoner? You are the guilty person. I want you to picture you're that guy. Can everybody picture it? You're that guy. You've got the jumpsuit on. You're shackled. That's your sin. Your sin that you've been born into. And if you say, oh, I never did anything wrong, you just lied, right? You, you have sinned, right? You've done a lot of things maybe you regret. And, and if you're listening online, hear me. You and I are that person. But something amazing happens. You go to the courtroom to receive your sentence, and before you go in, you're playing it over, right? You're standing there and you're waiting. I can't believe I let my life get like this. I can't believe I did this. I can't believe I've gone this far. I can't believe what am I going to do with this shame? You enter the courtroom and the judge drops his gavel, right? And they bring order to the court. And you know you're about to be sentenced for life. But suddenly the judge, after reading the list of things that you did wrong, the judge stands up, comes down, and says, I would like to take your place. I'm going to go to prison for the rest of your life, and you're going to go free. How many of you guys think the courtroom would be shocked? So that's Jesus, because Jesus is not just the man who walks in and takes your place. Jesus is also the righteous judge, the very one that sets the bar so high. He is the only perfect one. He is the righteous judge, he is called. Revelation calls him faithful and true. Jesus, the judge, steps down and he says, hey, I know you blew it. I know you committed that crime and I know your punishment is death after prison. You've got 80 years to life and I know you're gonna rot in prison, but I'm gonna do that for you. How many guys would be blown away by that grace? But then he says something else. He says, by the way, I have an inheritance laid aside for you. I've actually prepared a place for you. I have a home built just for you and I want to adopt you into my family. I've already written up your new identity. You can be adopted as one of my sons and you can share in everything that I have. Everything that my sons are given in the will is now yours. How many of you guys would be sitting there like? Right? That's grace. That's what Jesus did for you. Come on, turn to your neighbor and say, that's what Jesus did for you. Grace is what God has given you. Faithfulness is what God wants from you. Grace is what God has given you. Faithfulness is what God wants from you. You see, the mistake is, especially in American Christianity, and I, I know this because of the number of people I've talked with, that you might be a, a, man, a Christian man and you feel like you, you know, you're not succeeding, you're not making the amount of money that you wanted to make, and you're not doing this, you're not doing that, and you think you don't measure up, and you're forgetting that the American version of success is not what Jesus is looking for. Jesus just wants you to be faithful. Faithful, in the words of my good friend Matt Anderson, I love how he worded this in a podcast. He said, faithfulness is reliable excellence. You know you can be reliably excellent no matter what you have. 
You can be reliably excellent. In fact, I remember being with youth pastors years ago and, and one of them joked with me and, and they said, well, you know, our youth group doesn't have the budget that Rock of Grace has. You know, we don't get a couple hundred dollars every month, so we can't, we really can't do anything. And I said, listen, you can be reliably excellent with whatever you are given. Guys, I remember my first youth group, by the way, I had two people. The church was 40, uh, about 40 people and I had to do a youth internship and uh, I had two teens the next week I had one. I had my first church split right there. <laughs> I did. I'll never forget. I called my dad and made that joke. I'm like, I'm like, dad, I started out with two and now I got one <laughs> and a church split. Okay. Anyway, um, I remember I came into my pastor and this is like 40 people in this church. This is tiny church. And I said, Hey, I want to do this and that and this and that. And he said, we don't have the budget to do that. I said, well, I want to make this whole youth room look really cool. And he said, we don't have the budget. I said, I'll take care of it. So I go down the store. I was telling them about how awesome these teens are, how they all have potential for their future. And stores were just giving. They're like, I'm walking out with TVs like a criminal. I'm just walking. And seriously, they just donated everything because it started with some vision and passion. All you got to know is say, I'm going to be faithful with what I have. That's reliable, excellent. Reliable excellence. Everybody say this with me. Reliable excellence. You see, one of the things the master can't stand is, uh, is fear or excuses. And we're going to look at this, right? He says, I was afraid. I knew you're a hard man. So I hid. No, what the master wants to see is for you to be faithful with what you've been given. And what, what you've been given is different than what I've been given. Bob, what you've been given is different than me. It's different from Courtney. It's different from every single one of you have been given something unique to be faithful with. The family you have, the finances you have, everything in your life. You are called to be a good steward of the grace you've been given. Now, why you say, well, wait a minute. Are you talking about grace or are you talking about what you've been given? No, you see, everything in your life is a gift of grace. Right? You don't deserve the job that you have. You don't deserve the car that you have. I don't. Raise your hand if you know you don't deserve the good things God has given you. Come on, right? We need reminded of that this morning. The house that you live in is a gift from God. You need to remind yourself of that. You need to remind your children of that. When you pray at night, God, thank you for this home. Thank you for these warm blankets. You are so good to us. Put the emphasis on Jesus. God is the now, not you. Not I earned, not I saved. No, God, thank you for giving me this. And when you start to understand this, you increase grace in the lives of others. You guys want to hear a cool story? I'm going to change all the names just to make it super anonymous. But here's what I'm talking about. So I had shared with Danielle about these 52 miracles, and I just heard about one already. So one of our awesome ladies in the church, she had just prayed, God, oh, I need a new vehicle. I need a new vehicle. And next thing you know, she didn't know that God had already put on the heart of another family at Rock of Grace to go buy her a brand new vehicle. So they just come up and give her a brand new vehicle. Come on, somebody. Is that awesome? Right? I heard there was tears and mascara everywhere. That's how you know God is moving, you know? When the mascara is down everywhere. Why? Pastor Jordan, why? Why would somebody spend that well, hard, you know, hard-earned, saved money because of grace? Everybody say grace. Yeah. 
Because the goodness of God spoke to their heart and said, hey, why don't you, you can fill that need. Why don't you go fill that need? Is that so cool? When you steward grace, you increase grace in the lives of others. Let me say it again. When you steward grace, you increase grace, the revelation of grace in the lives of others. Is that beautiful or what? So let's go back to our couple main points. The good steward is committed to being faithful with what they've been given, not to being successful. Now, success may come with it, and that's fine, right? I, I remember I was, telling the, uh, I was telling the staff here a couple weeks ago, it kind of came up this idea of, of, uh, of, of big church, small church. And I remember um, hearing this comment by uh, someone before about, you know, crowds and people, you know, they just have crowds, they just want crowds. Well, here's the thing. Crowds don't equal compromise. If you went by that measure, then Jesus, Jesus had crowds. Crowds don't equal compromise, right? So sometimes, yes, God will make you uh, successful in the, in the eyes of other people, but that's not what life's about. Life's about being faithful with what you have. Reliably excellent. Everybody say it with me again. Reliably excellent. Okay, reliably excellent. So Jesus, by the way, is called faithful and true in Revelation. Think about this. I'm asking, you might think, Pastor Jordan, I'm just asking you to be faithful. No, I'm sharing with you that God wants you to be faithful and more so wants you to realize, put your attention on Jesus because Jesus is the one from whom all faithfulness flows. And he, he shows you what it means to be faithful. Isn't that cool? Because what was he all about? Being faithful to the mission given to him by his father. Every time the Pharisees question him, well, I'm just doing what my father asked me to do. Right? Faithfulness. George Whitfield said in a famous sermon in Williamsford, Williamsford, uh, I can't talk, Williamsburg, Virginia, 1739. Uh, I'm going to start that over because I bombed it really bad. Can I start that over? All right. George Whitfield said in his sermon in Williamsburg, Virginia, December 16, 1739. Now, some of you guys would just walk right out if I preached like this. Are you ready for this? Everybody just pull your toes in. Just pull them in. Here we go. Talk about faithfulness. Talk about looking at Jesus. Talking about stewarding grace and not worrying about how much stuff you have and how much uh, stuff you can uh, hoard or whatever, right? This is what he says. His sermon was, was titled, What Think Ye of Christ? I think I'm gonna start using ye. I like that, Pastor Ed. Ye, come forward. No, okay, here we go. Some, and I fear a multitude, are among us that call themselves Christians, yet seldom or never seriously think about Jesus at all. They think of their shops, their farms, their toys, their assemblies, their horse races. But as for Christ, the author and finisher of their faith, the Lord who bought us sinners with his precious blood, the one who is the only thing worth thinking of, Alas, he is not in their thoughts at all or very few, but believe me, oh, you earthly, sensual, carnal-minded professors. Now, he taught this in a crowd of teachers. You sensual, carnal-minded professors, however little you might think of Christ now or however industrial you may strive to be, you keep him out of your thoughts by pursuing the lust of your flesh, the lust of your eyes, and the pride of life. 
Yet there is a time coming when you wish you had thought of Christ more and your pleasures less. Everybody say, oh, that hurt. Right? But here's the thing. When we're concerned with stewarding grace, when we're concerned with being faithful, all those other things in life start to matter less. How many know what I'm talking about? All those other things start to matter less. I want you to turn your Bibles. You got your Bibles? Turn to Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy 24, verse 18. Now, I want to summarize a little bit. I'm not going to read the whole thing. I'm just going to tell you, for the sake of time, what this basically says. I'll read, I'll read just about five or six verses. You shall remember that you were a slave in Egypt when the Lord your God redeemed you from there. Therefore, I command you to do this. When you reap your harvest in the field and you forget a sheath in the field, you shall not go back to get it. It will be for the foreigner, the fatherless, the widow, that the Lord your God may bless the work of your hands. Identity, leftovers, blessing. When you beat your olive trees, you shall not go over them again. It shall be for the sojourner. So leave the olives, leave the extra grapes for the widow, the fatherless, right? We talk about that a lot at Rock of Grace. When you gather grapes from your vineyard, you shall strip, not strip it afterward, but leave some. It will be for the sojourner, the fatherless, the widow. You shall remember that you were a slave in Egypt where I redeemed you. Here's what I'm saying. Generosity, when I read that, I see that generosity flows from identity. If I realize that I have been redeemed and that my entire life is an outflow of the grace of God, I have no problem giving stuff away. I had a friend over um, a couple months, about a month ago, and he was telling me, oh, I'm looking for a MIDI keyboard. And then, um, so like a week later, it hit me, oh yeah, I have an extra one. So I just gave it to him. Now that's, everything's gonna be look different from you. You probably... Don't care about a MIDI keyboard. You probably don't have a MIDI keyboard. I don't know. But whatever you have, there's probably something you can give away. Now, we're not even talking about finances yet. We're talking about an entire all-of-life approach that everything in your life is a gift from God. And so when you suddenly hear this little thought, give that away. Trust me, that's God. I've learned over the years, when I have a thought, give that away, I know I'm not that nice. And I know you're not that nice. So if the Holy Spirit says to you, or if you think, I think I should give that to that person, that's the Holy Spirit. He's prompting you to live like the God of Israel taught the people of Israel to live. And then Jesus echoed this, of course, right? So we're going to close with this thought. Generosity flows from identity. The more you realize what God has given you, the easier it is to give. Why? Because you realize it's God it's his promise to provide. It's his promise to provide. So whether you're giving someone your time, you're giving someone your energy, you're giving someone your friendship, you're giving someone a MIDI keyboard, <laughs> you're giving somebody whatever it is that you know they need, that's stewarding grace. Stewarding grace, giving God a good return on his investment. You see, the good steward holds on to what God has given with open hands, not a closed fist. Can everybody just open your hands for me? The good steward, right, holds on to what God has given with open hands, not a closed fist. 
And so many guys, so many people in the American church, they go to church, but their whole life is like this. Right? You know, we got to start to live like this. We got to steward this grace that we've been given. Right? God wanted his people to be set apart, to be different. You see, the other nations did not just give away their excess. But God said, you are different. Remember, I redeemed you. You are different. When you have leftovers, you give it to those in need. Right? Wow. So turn in your Bibles, and we're going to close with this. Go ahead and stand up to your feet, and we're going to worship. I want to talk about the Holy Spirit regenerating your heart and teaching you what it means to love, teaching you what it means to follow Jesus, teaching you what it means to be a good steward. You see, an unregenerated heart doesn't think, I have a lot of food that I'm preparing, who can I invite over? A regenerated heart thinks that way. Right? An unregenerated heart Somebody that's just a, a, a church goer. They go to church, but they've never let God make them a born again, new creation. Right? They'll never think, hey, this tax refund or hey, this extra stimulus, God, what do you want me to do with this? They'll never think that. But you are different. Turn to your neighbor, say, you are different. Go ahead. You can go ahead. You can give that Pentecostal point too. Go ahead. Get in the Pentecostal point right there. You are different. So when you or I suddenly have a gift in our life, and it could just be extra meat, right? Like, hey, you know what? I don't know why I'm cooking 20 pounds of beef instead of two, but I am. That's my personality. Is anybody else like that? My wife, my wife is always like, why are you cooking for 300 people? What are you doing? Right? I'm like, it's a feast, you know. But when you have extra, what you got to do is start saying, God, who do you want me to bless with this? That's a simple, small way of what I'm talking about. We're talking about stewarding grace. Stewarding grace. Getting to the point where you understand everything in your life is a gift from God. And I do want to pray for you now that I see you again. Can you guys stretch your hands towards this young man? I know I don't got to know you yet, but I just want to, I just want to bless you, man. Lord, what do you want to say to this awesome young man? I feel like, um, so I see calluses on your hands, not literally. I, but actually, can you come over here for a second? I'll just meet you. I just feel like God says, man, you are a hard worker. Yeah, holy cow, you are a, Dude, never, I'm not going to shake that hand. You'll break, you'll break my little pansy musician hand. Uh, I just, I was over there and I just saw big calluses. God says, you are strong and I'm going to make you strong in spirit. God says, greetings, mighty warrior. Yeah, that's what he's saying. He says, greetings, mighty warrior. He says, you've been hiding too long and you think that um, sometimes you know, you don't matter, but you do in a big way. And God sees you. God says, I see you. I see you in that wine press. 
You see, there was this man named Gideon, and he hid. He hid, even though he was valiant, he was strong. He was strong. He was real strong, but here's the thing. In his mind, he was not strong. And God is renewing your mind, and he's aligning your mind right now with truth. You do have a lot to give, young man. You are strong, not just in your hands, but in your heart. God says your heart is strong. God says you're brave. In fact, I can just see you uh, taking the brunt for people. I just see that. I don't know when you've done that, but I see you protecting people. I see you pushing people out of the way and taking the bullet. I don't know when that happened, but you've been very protective. You've been like a warrior, and you've been hiding in a way. And I don't mean in sin. I'm talking just hide. Just, you know, God, I, I don't matter. No, but God says you do matter. God says these calluses in your, on your hands are a sign of that, that desire to serve and work and provide and protect and I am raising you up, mighty warrior. You got to listen to me now. God says, listen to me. I'm calling you by our identity a fourth or fifth time on purpose. You are a mighty warrior. You are strong in your spirit. You're strong, not just physically. You're strong in your heart. You have a lot to give. And I'm raising you up to be the man that you want to be. I will bless you and I will use you. I will use you just like I used Gideon. I will use you. God says, I will partner with you just like I partnered with Gideon. And I want to also say there's a sound in you. There's a sound in you. There's going to be an anointing on your voice. What was your name again? Michael. I thank you, God, for Michael. I thank you for this strong warrior that even in his words, while he's talking about the goodness of God, it will be like Michael the angel who has a sword and just cuts down the lives of people. And there's going to be a love in your eyes that's just so disarming. It's so disarming, people. People are just going to lay down their swords. People are just going to lay down their offenses when they talk to you, Michael. You're going to be able to talk to them one-on-one. And in your voice is going to be an anointing that sets them free. Greetings, mighty warrior, God says to you. You are strong. You do have a lot to give. God, I thank you for this warrior, this protector uh, spirit. I thank you that he's, he's like David's mighty men who will rush through uh, the battle just to get David a drink of water. I thank you for this heart of a servant, this heart of a warrior. And I thank you that there's going to be more times, Michael, that God uses this, uh, this calling to protect. And again, if you could look, I, I just see you. There's been times when people were getting hurt and you stepped out and you said, don't say that. And God has heard you. Every time you stood up for the week, Jesus said, when you've done the least to these, you've done to me. So I don't know who you protected, but I want to tell you something. It's like Jesus said, you protected me. You see, Jesus is in that person. Jesus is in that. His image is in that person. So when you protected them, Jesus says, I saw it and I bless you. I bless you, Michael. You are a mighty warrior. You have so much to give and you've already given so much, but people will uh, listen. People will respect your voice and your, uh, your thoughts and your opinions. You think they won't, but they will. When you rise up out of that wine press, when you rise up, and again, not in pride, in, in a humble confidence that God is with you, 
there's going to be more and more changes, more and more progress, more and more uh, enemies pushed back and families blessed. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. We love you, Lord. Would you just bow your heads? I want to give you an opportunity to give your heart to Jesus right now. You may have heard me talk about the master, Jesus being the master and sending the servant and they didn't listen. Sending the servant, they didn't listen. And then sending God the Father, sending his son Jesus and they beat him up and they killed him. And that's what we did in our sin. We, we put Jesus on the cross. But in this amazing turn of events, it was all part of God's plan to save you. He died in your place. He took the punishment of your sin and my sin. This is grace. This is grace. Giving you all the blessings, all the inheritance, and all the identity that Father God wants to give you despite your crimes, despite your sin. If you want to accept Jesus as Lord and Savior, would you raise your hand nice and high? And I want to pray a prayer with you. Amen. I see young lady, anybody else? I knew someone was going to give their heart to Jesus today. I could feel it in the room. Anybody else? If you're tuning in online or if you're in here right now receiving this, in fact, let's all pray this together. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for loving me so much that when I rejected your spokesperson, when I rejected the, the prophet, you sent your son to die in my place. Forgive me of my sin, every mistake, every crime, every thought that was harmful and selfish, I repent. Make me your child, make me new. Make me alive again. Make me born again. I receive the gift of your son. And Jesus, I choose to follow you all the days of my life. I give my heart to you. In Jesus' name. And everyone said? Come on, amen. Praise God. It's awesome, young lady. You know, when we give our hearts to Jesus, there's life before that moment and there's life after that moment, right? Everything has changed. So I wanted to end with this song, In Christ Alone, because we're really putting our heart on Jesus. Remember, it's not what we did. Remember what your neighbor told you. You were just as messed up as them. It's only in Christ alone. Amen? Let's sing this together. Christ alone, my hope is found. He is my light, my strength, my song. This cornerstone, this solid ground, firm through the fiercest drought and storm. What heights of love, what depths of peace, when fears are stilled. When striving cease, my comforter, my all in all, here in the love of Christ, I'll 
lost in Jesus we thank you Lord let's lift our voices to him in Christ alone who took on flesh fullness of God in hell has been this gift of love and righteousness Scorned by the ones he came to save Till on that cross as Jesus died The wrath of God was satisfied For every sin on him was laid Here in the death of Christ I live There in the ground his body lay Light of the world by darkness slain Think about this Then bursting forth in glorious day Upon the grave he rose again And as he stands in victory Since curse has lost its grip on me You and I have been bought with the blood of Jesus. And you think that's good news. What's amazing, it's not just that he's died for you, it's that he rose for you. This is why Paul said, if he didn't rise from the dead, right? If he didn't rise from the dead, it'd be different. There'd be no power. But because he rose from the dead, he rose from the dead. I said he rose from the dead. He has power over all of sin, over all of death. And he gives you that inheritance. He gives you that promise that you too will rise from the dead. That sin, right, has no power on you. That death has no power on you. I'm not afraid of dying. I don't know if you are. Is anybody afraid of dying in here? I hope not. There's no fear of death. Turn to your neighbor and say, there's no fear of death. Some of y'all need to hear that. Come on. It's 2021. Say, look at them. Say, no fear in death. Right? No fear in death. Come on, put your hope in Jesus. I bless you. I pray you guys have an awesome week. Be blessed, and I'll see you Tuesday at a night of worship. Bye-bye.